remember it was kind of at the end of April and beginning of May, and then we had a few guest speakers. Amen. Were y'all blessed by that? Amen. We had Pastor Marcy in from St. Augustine, Florida. We had Pastor Doug last week. What an encouraging word last week that we received on our words. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing that, you know, we he, he made this statement and I don't even know if he realized that he made the statement when he said it. Um, but he was talking about the power of our words, that our words contain power that determines our destiny. You know, most people are trying to determine their destiny by what they're doing with their hands or what they're doing with their brains, what they're doing with their legs. But it's amazing how you can be doing all that work with your hands and still be overriding all that work with your mouth. (laughs) You could be speaking something different than what you see and get that because the Bible says that the tongue contains power. Amen. Power to bless, the power to curse, to speak evil or to speak good. But your tongue is what is laying out your life. And that's just amazing to me. And so I just kind of want to pull that out. But we've received some encouraging words over the past several weeks. And um, But coming out of the grace series, you know, we talked about grace and how grace is not a band-aid or an excuse or a cover-up for a sinful lifestyle. It's an empowering to live the lifestyle of the kingdom. That's what grace is for. If God has given you the grace for it, that means he's empowered you to do it. Okay, God hasn't given you grace to keep cussing. He's given you the grace so you can quit cussing. Okay, he hasn't given you grace so you can keep the addictions and the habits that we know we shouldn't have. He's given us grace so we can cut those habits out of our lives. That's what grace is all about. But when we're talking about grace, we have to talk about sin. And that's the word that nobody really likes to talk about, uh, you know, in in church. Uh, But we have to cover that because sin is what keeps us from achieving uh, everything that God has called us to do. That's the bottom line. Sin is what crept in in the garden. okay, and that's what separated. Sin will separate. The wages of sin is death. And that word death doesn't mean immediate immediate loss of life. From this earth, death simply means to be separated. And death came in just as God had promised. If you sin, you will surely die. Sin came in and what separated Adam and Eve from God himself. Okay, and if we're separated from God, you cannot live for God. If you're separated from him, if you're not in communication with him, then you can't live for him. Now, this Bible has all kinds of promises For us, if we live according to the kingdom. But it also has a lot of curses if we don't. And that's not God trying to curse you. That's God outlining, this is the way that I want you to live. And if you live this way, everything you need will be provided for you. Uh, You will have all favor in the earth. And you will be accomplishing the purpose that I have for you. Because he created us with purpose. If he didn't create you with purpose, then that means he did something by accident. And God doesn't do anything by accident. So there's a purpose for your life and sin hinges that purpose. Well, when we start talking about sin, even though we've come into the kingdom, even though we've come, we've become born again believers. How many of you found life maybe a little more difficult after you receive salvation? Maybe life, you know, you start looking back. And you start thinking, you know, things were easy. I, I always seem to have enough money. I, 
you know, I seemed to be enjoying myself. When I needed a job, it was there. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits that you can try to look back and say, man, we had this. And you're not alone because the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, did they not do the same thing? Now, we call them a bunch of idiots. We say, what a bunch of losers. You're, you're heading towards the promised land. You don't even have an idea of what God's trying to get you to. And you're saying you want to go back to Egypt? We should have stayed in Egypt. And what they start doing, thinking of all the things that they had. At least we had three hot meals a day. At least we had a roof over our head. At least we had water anytime we needed to drink water. And they're not thinking about the taskmasters that were beating their backs. They're not thinking about uh, the, the pity of living in slavery, in bondage to another nation. Not even be able to think freely on your own will. And they did not look at where they were headed. They look at what they came out of. And this sometimes happens to us. We find things a little more difficult out here in this life that we call being a Christian. And I have called it the eternal struggle. The eternal struggle. And look at this in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. And I'm going to be reading it in the... Uh, the do we put it in the New King James or the New Living? New Living. So let's read it in the New Living translation. So the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. Remember, we talked about the law in the grace series that the law came in and the law did what? Identify sin. That's all the law could do. When the Ten Commandments came down off of that mountain on stony tablets, it did not empower the Israelites to all of a sudden obey the law. It just identified here's right and here's wrong because you can't deal with the problem that you don't know you have. Right. We covered that. If you don't know you're an alcoholic, then you're going to have a hard time going through counseling to get that thing taken care of. If you don't realize you have a problem, you don't realize you have anger issues, you're not going to listen to anybody say, hey, I can help you with that. So first thing we got to do is identify there's a problem. But just identifying the problem doesn't give you the power to overcome the problem. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I do, for what I want to do. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. This might start to sound familiar. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Why? Because the law is identified. That's wrong. So just the fact that I know, okay, I just sinned. The law has just worked in my life. It's just revealed to me that was sin. You shouldn't have done it. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war, at war 
with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person, I, miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Is this describe anybody in this room today (laughs) the eternal struggle eternal struggle um chase many of you guys know chase and he does a lot of our media and when i put this on his task list to create artwork because as you can see we've got artwork with uh you know all of our series it kind of gives you a visual image a visual picture of where we're going, of what we're doing. And he put it out there so quick that he sent me a slide that said the internal struggle instead of the eternal struggle. And I said, wow, you've already deciphered where I'm going because the eternal struggle is what I'm wanting to imply. That's what I want you to see is that the fact is you will never be free from this struggle For the rest of your life. Period. You will never be from this. Be free from this struggle. It is an eternal struggle for the rest of your life. But it is an internal struggle as well. The struggle is in our minds. Now here's the thing. Number one. If you are in a struggle. That means you're still in the fight. Let's go ahead and. You know, sometimes we feel like we're losing. Sometimes we feel like we've already lost. But I want to identify that just the fact that you're in the struggle identifies I'm still in this thing. It's not over. I can still come back. Probably one of the greatest things that can happen in sports is a comeback. Everybody loves a good Come back. Everybody loves the, the team that is down and it's down to the last pitch, the last strike, the last second, the last quarter. And you get a comeback. I mean, if there are any sports people in here, you're thinking of years. You're thinking 2013 Spurs Heat. You're thinking 1986 Mets Red Sox. I mean, you're thinking all kinds of stuff right now because everybody loves a good comeback. And so I want to let you know today that even if your back is against the ropes in this thing, if you're still struggling, you're still fighting and you're still in it. Let's go ahead and identify that. This is an eternal struggle. But part of fighting is knowing who we're fighting. That's half the battle. Many times we lose fights because we don't even know who we're fighting. We don't even clearly identify who's attacking us, who's bringing all this stuff against us. Now, most Christians, a lot of Christians would answer, who is the enemy? Who is the one that you're fighting? And a lot of people would say the devil. A lot of people would think Satan is my enemy. But I want to run you through a few quick verses here that kind of help us understand who we are really fighting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm just going to kind of go through these pretty quick. They're on the screen. Jot them down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57 says this, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, 
and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Gives us victory. Gives us victory. Not as going to. Gives us victory. Second Timothy chapter one, verse ten. Second Timothy chapter one, verse ten. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Seeing a picture of Jesus being victorious. Something's already been overcome here. We're not fighting to win this battle anymore. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. That Jesus Christ would destroy the devil. Look at Colossians two, verse 15. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. The New Living says it this way. In this way. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the what? The cross. Now, that's an act that took place over 2000 years ago. This isn't something we're waiting for. This is something that has already taken place. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. Shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I want to tell you today as a believer, and we could spend weeks just talking about this, but the devil is not your problem. The devil is not your problem. Jesus made sure of that when he went to the cross when he took uh, that, that beating and that weight and all that sin upon him, he defeated the devil, whipped, stripped, and beat him once and for all. The devil does not have any power over you as a believer any longer. Period. The end. The devil is not your problem. Well, the devil's attacking me. The devil's doing this. The devil is doing that. He did not get rid of the devil. But he beat the devil. The devil's done. The devil is whipped, stripped, defeated. He has no power. Unless you give it to him. My Bible tells me that if I submit myself to God. If I resist the devil, he will what? Flee from me. Now, either that verse is true or that verse is not true. And if it's not true, then I can't believe any of the Bible. But we do know this, that the entire Bible is truth. Initiated, substantiated by God himself. And so if it tells me that if I submit myself to God... Resist the devil, he will flee from me. Therefore, the devil does not have any power over me unless I allow him to. Unless I give him free reign and free course. Okay? And we're going to break all this down. This is very introductory. Okay? You got to hang on for the, the whole ride. 
Just let you know. You got you got to run the course with us through this series, because what I'm showing you today, we're going to break down each part, because ultimately, here's what I want out of this series. Every time I do a series, every time I do a message, I always ask this question. What do I want them to leave with? If I can't answer that question then you can't answer that question. I have to be able to answer the question, what do I want them to leave with? And it's in three words that's right underneath our title. It's winning in life. I don't know how many of you in this room would be honest enough with me to say, sometimes I feel like I'm losing in life. I'm losing in my finances. I'm losing in my marriage. I'm losing in my home. I'm losing this battle with my children. I'm losing this battle with myself. Uh, there, there's things you sound just like Paul in Romans chapter seven. I don't want to do it, but I do it anyways. And the thing that I do want to do, I can't do that. Inevitably, I live according to this principle that I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I want to do. Paul wasn't the only one. Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Paul died and came back to life several times. Paul went through so much persecution. He went through so much that he could have quit at any time. But yet the greatest struggle he talks about was the one on the inside of himself, not the one on the outside. This is the greatest struggle he alludes to. The thing that I want to do, I can't seem to do that. And the thing that I don't want to do, I seem to just do it. What a miserable man I am. But I don't want any miserable Christians in here. I want you to win in life. At the end of this series, at the conclusion of these messages, I want you to be able to walk out the door knowing I have just been given a resource that will help me win in life. I'll tell you right now, you can overcome every victory. You can overcome every battle. You can overcome every struggle that comes against you. Jesus has whipped, stripped, and defeated the enemy. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. All things are under the authority of Christ. Do you see this today? Jesus is not fighting the devil. You know, I heard one time someone say, God, God's biggest enemy is the devil. God doesn't have enemies because he's beat everybody. Anybody that was against them, he's already beat them. He's already taken care of the devil himself. It's done. He put all things under his feet, gave them to be uh, head over all things to the church. Verse 23 which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, here's the thing that I want you to identify. Number one, Jesus is taking care of the devil. Number two, Jesus took care of the devil for you. Let's go to the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. 
says this in the New Living. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So the victory that Jesus obtained through the cross, he obtained for you. Which means not only did Jesus defeat the devil, but you have defeated him also. Our victory is in Christ. When you receive Jesus into your heart, when you make him the Lord of your life, not just a savior, but a Lord. When you give him everything, every decision, every resource, everything you have is his for his disposal. You get to operate in the victory that he purchased through the cross. We are victorious. This isn't, uh, 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 you know, God's trying to make this available to us. This isn't future tense. One day you'll be victorious or when we all get to heaven, we'll be victorious. We are victorious now in this earth, in this life. You're victorious. And we have been seated with him. In heavenly places. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 17. And I want to read this in the Amplified Version. Because it really brings to light something. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse or offense, death reigned through that one. What was that? Adam sinned. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And because of their sin, we've all sinned. Death has now entered the earth and we are all living under it. Much more. Surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life, not in death. See, some people are waiting until they die and get to heaven to reign as kings. Some people are waiting until they exit this earth. Before they reign as kings. You realize if you go to heaven, there's nothing to rule over. There's nothing to reign as a king over in heaven. It's already the way it needs to be. You don't have to command anything to come into your life. You don't have to, uh, you know, command sin to go away. It's already perfect there. But here in this earth, we know that there are things that are in objection, in opposition to the kingdom life. So what does he do? He gives us grace and he gives us righteousness. Why? So we can reign as kings in life through the man, Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the victory that he won on the cross, we get to live in victory now. We get to live in victory in this life. Amen. So we are victorious. The devil is not Jesus's problem and the devil is not your problem. Now, taking a step further. And some may say, "Okay, well, I have victory over Satan, but sin, that's what I'm struggling with. I I am struggling with sin. Sin is just dominating and I'm losing the battle against sin. Against a sinful life. But let's look at Romans chapter 6. 
Romans chapter 6. And we're going to be in Romans quite a bit. We're going to be in Romans for throughout this series. Romans chapter 6 verse 11 says, Likewise you also, wrecking yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, wrecking yourselves to be dead to what? Sin. We're supposed to be living a life that is dead to sin. Sin should not be ruling over us. Sin should not be dominating over us. We are to live dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Skip on down to verse 14. For sin, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. But we've got a lot of believers that are in a struggle against sin. Many that are losing a battle against sin. And we want to discuss how can we win this battle. Look at verse 22. But now having been set free from sin and having become past tense slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Holiness. Holy. That's that four letter word that we feel like as Christians is just unattainable. It's just so far out there. I want to be holy. I need to be holy. But how do I be holy? I'm trying to bring this home, guys. I'm I'm trying to show you that a holy lifestyle is possible for every believer. I'm trying to show you today that you can live a life where you are dominating sin, not being dominated by sin. This is what I want to identify to you today. So sin is not to rule us. Jesus Christ defeated the devil. Therefore, he defeated sin. Sin is the result of the devil coming into this world. And Jesus made it very clear. My people, they are in the world. But not of the world. Which means that there is a possibility to live differently than the world. We should be living that which we are of. If you're of a different world, if you're of a different kingdom, then we should be able to live that way. We should be able to identify with a kingdom lifestyle, not a worldly lifestyle. I want us to win in life. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 5. Romans chapter 7, verse 5. says this, For when we were in the flesh... The sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. When we were in the flesh, in the flesh, in the flesh, sinful lifestyles are attached to the flesh. And this is what I want us to see today. This is what I want us to see today. Your battle is not with the devil. He's defeated. He's whipped. He's stripped. He has been done away with. And if you disallow the attack of the enemy in your life, you can thwart every plan he tries to throw your way. Look, Jesus was tempted on every account, just like you and I. 
but never sinned. What did he do? He, that reveals there was a struggle. But just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're losing. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have lost. And I want us to win every battle. The devil's not your problem. Number two, Satan or a sin is not your problem. We've just seen that sin is not to dominate us, but as believers, we now have power. We now have been placed in a position of authority to rule over sin. To not allow sin to reign in our bodies. But he says here, when you were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit. To death. What does that mean? When we lived in the flesh before we became Christians, before we accepted Jesus as our Lord, made him the Lord of our life. We had sinful passions that were aroused by a fleshly nature. I want you to see today that the struggle that you have in life is yourself. It's with yourself. It's not with the devil. It's not with sin. But you have been made a new creation living in a new nature. But how many of you realize that the old nature, the old thoughts, the old passions, the old desires didn't just fall away? (laughs) And therein lies the struggle. Therein lies the struggle that we face on a day-to-day basis for the rest of our lives as Christians. We know there's a different way to live. We know there's a different way to do things. We know that there's things that we shouldn't do and there's things that we should do. And the way that I was living before didn't want to live for God. And the thing that I want you to understand today is for the rest of your life, your flesh will never want to live for God. You will live the rest of your life attached to a body, attached to a flesh, the Bible says, that is against everything that God is about. And when we're talking about flesh, we need to decipher between flesh that you see, this body, and a fleshly nature. Flesh is referring to a sinful nature. The way you were before you came to Christ. When you see that term flesh, that's what Paul is referring to. That's what Peter's referring to. That's what Jesus is referring to. A sinful nature. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. If you live according to the flesh... You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The struggle you and I fight daily is our spirit fighting our flesh. We know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says this, that... Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, 
and body be preserved blameless at the Lord's coming. What is that identifying? You are a three-part being. There are three parts to you. You are a spirit. That's who you really are. You possess a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. We've seen this before. Very fundamental, very elementary, but we have to process it if we're going to understand the struggle that you and I are living. When you came to Christ, your spirit on the inside, who you really are, came to life, was made alive together with Christ, you are now seated in heavenly places. You, you possess all authority. All victory has been given to you, the Bible says. That's your spirit. Then you possess a soul and you live in a body. And your body is what houses all of the fleshly, sinful desires from your pre-salvation life. Your pre-converted life. Before you came to Christ, you lived a life that was against what God wanted. And there's nobody on the face of this planet living in a sinful nature without Christ that can fulfill God's purpose and plan for their life. It can't happen. Doesn't matter how successful they look in the world. Doesn't matter how much money they have. Doesn't matter how famous they are. Doesn't matter if they seem like they have it all together and they are a good person. Apart from God, you cannot fulfill his plan. They're in sin. God's plan is way more important than how much money you make. God's purpose is way more important than where you live. God's plan is way more important than if you purchase your house outright or if you're making payments. God's plan is more important than how many kids you have, what kind of car you drive, how well you're doing. God's plan and God's purpose. The Bible says that many plans are in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's purpose that is priority. You can have all the plans and get all your stuff together as well as you want, but without God's plan, we're unsuccessful. And living in sin keeps us unsuccessful. But now we've come to know Christ. And I like to put it this way. Your spirit is saved. Immediately you've been placed into right standing with the kingdom's authority, with God's authority. You are now in right standing. God sees you as blameless, pure, holy, Never having messed up all the past sins, all the past failures. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that you have become a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become to you, become new in your spirit. The real you. Well, how come we have so many redeemed spiritual people still living out a fleshly sinful nature? Your soul is being saved. It's in the process of being saved. This is why Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that you need to renew your mind. Why? Because now I've got to relearn a new way of living. This old way of living, if, if I don't renew my mind, even though I said a prayer, even though I made Jesus my Lord, I will still live out the way my old mind used to think. But my mind can be renewed, glory to God. I can take this mind 
and I can renew it to the word of God. When I used to cuss, I don't have to cuss anymore. When I used to hit, I don't have to hit anymore. When I used to cheat and steal, I don't have to cheat and steal anymore. When I used to lie, I don't have to lie anymore because I can renew my mind. And if I change my mind, I can change my life. Thank God I can renew my mind. But now we get to the struggle. Now we get to the hard part. We're still housed in a body, still housed in a flesh that remembers, number one, how to do it the wrong way. And number two, wants to do it the wrong way. Your flesh is never going to want to give someone a hug and tell them that Jesus loves them when they've just cussed you out. Never. Never. Never will. Your flesh doesn't want to submit to authority. Your flesh doesn't want to go to church. Your flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. Your flesh doesn't want to pray in the spirit, much less pray at all. Your your flesh doesn't want to do any of that. And never will. Your spirit is saved. Your soul is being saved. But your body, your flesh, can never be saved. Oh, what a miserable man I am, Paul says. What a miserable man I am. Because... The devil's defeated. He's not the problem anymore. I, that means, watch this, I can't blame the devil anymore. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. <laughs> Satan made me do it, man. He, he came and he overcame me. No. The devil can't possess what God possesses. He can oppress you. He can harass you. But he can't possess you. You can't be demon possessed if you are a believer in the kingdom of God. Because if God has you, no one else can. So, no, the devil didn't make you do it. The devil didn't make you punch. The devil didn't make you spout off at your wife. The devil didn't cuss that person out. The devil didn't cheat on the job. The devil didn't lie when you know you did something wrong and you tried to cover it up. The devil didn't make you do it. Sin didn't make you do it. Well, you know, I just had this sin lifestyle. And that's probably the biggest one that we deal with is because for some reason we have this doctrine in the church and I believe that it's just because we're creating lazy Christians. It's point blank. It's what it is. That instead of dealing with sin, we give it more power than it should have in our lives. But this isn't a church that kicks people out because you sin. Obviously. God's patient with me. We're patient with people. God is a patient person. (laughs) He gives us so many chances, it's not even funny. 
This isn't, uh, you know, a church that we, we try to act like we're above other people because they sin and because they live certain lifestyles. I'm not above you. We all deal with sin. We all deal with sin. This is a church that encourages people to deal with sin. Why? Because this church is about purpose. This church is all about the plan of God for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans of good and not of evil. But the one thing that will thwart that plan in your life is sin. Sin is what keeps you from walking in favor with God and with man. Sin is what keeps provision coming to the purpose that God has for you. You're believing God for this day, man, we need more finances. But with a sin is what's blocking that. Sin is what keeps your marriage from growing stronger. Sin is what keeps us from being successful in what God has called us to do. Sin it will hinder the purpose God has for your life. It has from the very beginning, and it always will. So, instead of sinning in life, we want people to start winning in life. Because sin will make you a big loser. Sin will cause you to lose in life. Sin will cause uh, victory to run away from you in life. So if we can deal with sin, then you can achieve everything that you're here to do. Everything that, everything that you're hearing, you can apply it if we can take care of sin. That's not an overnight thing. Look, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Your spirit was saved instantaneously. That's not a process. But renewing your mind, that's a process. I mean, if you've ever had to just renew your mind in the natural, maybe you worked one job and they used to do it this way, and you're in the same field, but they have a completely different system. What do you got to do? Renew your mind. You've got to be trained in how to do it a different way. And if you refuse the training, you'll be unsuccessful and you will lose the job. It's that simple. So if we allow the process of renew our mind to take place, now we can change our life. Now we can change our life. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man, our old man. Paul has several references to who you were before you came to Christ. One of those terms is old man. Another one is old creation or old creature. Another one is flesh. And another one is sin nature or sinful nature. You'll see those things throughout the epistles. Those identify who you used to be before you came into the kingdom. And really what you have to understand is when you came into the kingdom, you just entered a fight. 
You just entered a fight. I love the graphic that he chose. Uh, you know, it, most guys in the room should be able to recognize this from a movie uh, that we all love to watch that really gets us going. It's called 300. Okay, that's a battle scene right out of the movie. 300. Because this is how we ought to approach this fight. I think it was Brent back there who told me that my son and Dean... Uh, you know, got into a little argument over the Wii remote next door this morning. And uh, they had a little girl fight all of a sudden. I had to put him in timeout just for the way he was fighting because he was slapping like a little girl. That's not the kind of fight that we just entered. That's not the kind of fight that we just entered because look at the term. Look at the term. That Paul uses, knowing this, that our old man was what? Crucified with him. Now, we just got out of Easter. And some of you may understand the crucifixion process. That was the most brutal thing the Romans could conjure up in a way to torture people. Crucifixion was not meant to kill somebody. It was meant to slowly torture them until they had no life left. Crucifixions, a lot of times, they would last several days. And they just leave them up there. You can't breathe. I mean, we think about the nails in the hands and the feet and, you know, you know being hung up there, you know, for everyone to see. But we don't think about... The asphyxiation that begins to take place and your lungs begin to fill up with fluid and your all your bones are out of joint because of the way they put you up on the thing. I mean, Paul uses a very complex term here in describing how we are to treat the old man. But yet we have developed this culture of coddling the flesh. Sometimes we call it petting the flesh. Oh, it's okay. We'll get it right next time. No, Paul says, crucify your flesh. Put it through the utmost torture you can think of. Now, obviously, he's not talking about this physically. There are churches and cultures that have taken this term literally and are literally crucifying themselves. And they're doing nothing. He's talking about that old way of living. Why? Why do we crucify the flesh? That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Watch this. If I can take care of my flesh, I can take care of the sin. If I can take care of the old way I used to do things, I can take care of the results that used to come. He said that your body, your flesh, when it was before Christ, our B.C. life. It produced fruit called sin. But now, now, if we live according to the spirit, we'll do away 
with the bad fruit of sin and start opening up our new fruit of life. I mean, there's no Christian, there's no believer that I could ask that would honestly say, no, you know, I, I just got saved because I just want to get to heaven. I just want fire insurance. Just don't want to go to hell. But all the stuff I used to do, I mean, I still want to do. I'm going to do that. I believe most people come into the kingdom, at least initially, because they realize the way I'm doing things just is not working. I've seen poor people come into the kingdom. I've seen rich people come into the kingdom. I've seen every race and culture come into the kingdom. And they all come in for the same reason. The way that I'm doing things isn't working. The way that I'm living, if I could find a better way to live. Look, we know this life is full of blessing. This life is full of provision. This life is full of favor. These are all the things that we know are promised to us by coming into the kingdom. In this life, not just escape from hell and entrance into heaven. There are promises that we can live according to in this life. But we're thwarting those by living according to our flesh. And so now I have entered. I've just said a prayer and and all of heaven is rejoicing. But what just happened was I just ended up on a mat surrounded by ropes. And now someone else just entered the ring that is at war against me. The picture you need to understand. And I had so many. I I told Chase, I said, just give me something that depicts a battle, a struggle. I don't care if it's, you know, I, I I don't care if it's boxing or MMA. Something that shows two people just going at it. Because that is what we have. When we enter the kingdom of God. Yes, it's glorious. Yes, there's a great life ahead of us. But I'm going to tell you right now, that life is a result of putting down our flesh on a daily basis. And I want to teach you. I want to show you how to be victorious every time. I'm tired of hearing people come to me with failure after failure, problem after problem. Not tired of the fact that I don't want to hear anymore, but there's an answer for it. There's a great answer for it. God has a life of blessing for you. But it's a matter of the choices and the decisions. God doesn't force blessing on you. He doesn't force you to live for him as much as you think you'd want him to. He's not that kind of God. He wants you to live for him and make the choices and decisions in your life because you love him and want to live that way for him. In closing, I want to read this passage out of Romans chapter 7 once again. In the New Living Translation. So the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. Don't get mad at the Bible for revealing that you're living wrong. And don't read the Bible just to justify the way you live. That's what he's saying here. The trouble's not with the law. If you don't like what you're seeing, it's not the Bible's fault. 
It's doing what it's supposed to do. It's there to show you, hey, that's not right. The trouble is with me. The eternal struggle. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows me that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. In your flesh, in your sinful nature, there's nothing good in there. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. If I don't do, if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war, at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still Within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is how he ends Romans chapter 7. But the way that he begins Romans chapter 8 identifies how we get free. See, for a moment here, Paul is identifying his old lifestyle. He's not literally saying that he's just a sinner over and over and just keeps doing the same things. He's identifying there's a struggle in my life. I'm not here to disregard the struggle. Sometimes... People misunderstand us because we are a church that identifies with the new nature more than the old nature. Look, I I can sit here and just think about all the sinful things that I do and all the sinful stuff that, you know, I want to do and all the desires that are still there and all the stuff that I used to do. Or I can identify with the new life that I now have. And choose to see myself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Victorious. I'm more than an overcomer. Those verses are real. I've found this. That people that identify more with their sin nature than their new nature. Sin more. I've just just discovered that. Why talk about it all the time? I've never had a conversation with someone. Uh, one time, actually, works right back here at MediaCom. Came in one day, and him and I have kind of developed a relationship. He'll pop in every now and then. And he had a conversation with me, attends another church in town, and is a believer, loves God, loves God with all his heart, tries to do the right thing. But, you know, he threw the statement out. You know, I'm just, just a sinner, you know, just a lousy sinner. 
sounded a lot like Paul right here. You know, man, I mean, I just, I don't want to do the wrong thing. But, you know, I, you know, last night my wife and I started talking. And I just started saying stuff. You know, I didn't want to say it. I, I didn't mean to say it. I didn't mean it. And I just can't, I mean, just every time I want to do what's right, I just can't seem to do it. And then, you know, the wrong thing comes out. The wrong thing is said. I end up doing the wrong action. And he said, how do I, what do I do? They're asking the question, guys. People are, believers are asking the question. Why? Because they realize there's something more than just coming into the kingdom, but still living like the world. They know this. But yet we've settled. I guess I'll just deal with it until I get to heaven. Just have slip ups. Mess ups. All that stuff that I used to do. I just, I don't know any way. No, we are to dominate it. It is not to have control over us any longer. These verses are in the Bible. So we're not here to disregard that there is a struggle. In fact, I want to identify the struggle. Because until you know who you fight, you can't fight. And I want to resource you over the next several weeks. I want to empower you to know what the struggle is, who we're struggling with, and how to overcome the struggle every time. The things that we're struggling with today, we shouldn't struggle with next year. The things you're struggling with today, we shouldn't be struggling with next month. God wants us to move from victory to victory. God wants us to win in life. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we thank you that you have made us victorious through your son, Jesus Christ. You have made us more than conquerors, overcomers. If God be for me, then who can be against me? Father, our battle is not with the enemy. Our battle is not uh, with, with sin. Our battle is not even with each other. Our battle is with ourselves. So, Father, I thank you today that you open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts and open our minds to this word so that we can understand that you want us to be victorious daily. You want us to make choices of victory daily. You want us to make choices of of, uh, overcoming daily. You don't want us to be dominated by sin, but you want us to rule over sin so we can accomplish the purpose that you have for our lives. Father, we thank you for this today. I thank you for every person here. I pray they receive encouragement from this. I pray that you manifest this word in their lives and in their hearts so that we can be victorious in everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.